Sacramento are thankful to be in the house of God this morning. Amen. Right? A couple people, that's good. Before you're seated, maybe you can turn around and smile at somebody. Tell them I'm glad I'm sitting by you today. Amen. You may be seated. Definitely a couple things. Um, amen. As we kind of get into it this morning, and uh, what a beautiful day, beautiful time of the season. And uh, of course, we're excited about a lot of things that are happening with us personally, but also in our church. This morning, I'm using a new mic, so bear with us. We're trying new things today and recordings and da-da-da. So, but it's good to see everybody here. If you're joining us online, God bless you so much for joining us. And of course, you're here and if you're with your family, uh, we're just praying that God really blesses you today and just brings healing and, and health to you and your family today. So whatever, is, whatever need you have, we're just really believing God that, that it's going to be met, uh, not because of us, but in spite of us. How many know we serve a good God? Amen. Amen. He's a great God, a powerful God. And so we're excited about that. Um, you know, just... Uh, the other day, we um, just wanted to say that and recognize that uh, um, uh, Dr. Eldon Wilson has gone to be with the Lord, and, and uh, we just so honor him, and we just love um, what he's deposited in us, and both my wife and I, our family, and our church over the years, and what a tremendous, tremendous, I can say in every sense of the word, man of God. And you can't say that a lot of, about a lot of people, but I can honestly say about him, he was one that just absolutely gave his life to the ministry of the Lord. And so we honor him today, and uh, we're going to be putting a post up and, and uh, just pray for his family, his extended family, and, and everything. But we were so honored to have um, the opportunity to celebrate his birthday. You remember last year, last April, and, he, so, um, and then this year, 91. And, and uh, what a life, what a legacy, and wanted to honor him today. If you'll see, um, if you get our, some publications here, um, local publications, you'll see that there's obviously something, a couple neat happened, and, and well, neat, not neat, but recognition, and a couple of good things happened this week. Um, how many remember in 1972, there was flood Agnes, right, Hurricane Agnes, and flooded the whole northeast Pennsylvania, and, and a lot of things happened, and we, it was in our publication this um, particular week, but, you know, we've done some things and kind of changed that, so that won't ever happen again, but that was the 50th anniversary, and of course, the bigger one really was 49 years ago, the Supreme Court made a decision. It was overturned this week. Amen. And I wonder if we could give God a cheer. Amen. Come on. Amen. Amen. One of the things, and I say this strictly um, apart from any type of political um, theme or, or flavor, and that is we celebrate life. And as Christians, we value the sanctity of life. Come on, somebody. Amen. And it's not just the unborn, it is all life. The Bible teaches us that we are to protect and provide for those who cannot provide for themselves. We are to protect the innocent and we are to be a voice for the voiceless. We are to help those that are poor and those that are needy. Come on somebody. And we are to be a defense for those who cannot defend themselves. How many believe that we are to protect the innocent? And the Bible says that the throne of God is on the foundation of righteousness and justice. That is the foundation of God. And so that is a foundation of our truth and our life as Christians. And aside from anything you believe politically, and you know I don't talk about that, but anything that you believe, I mean, totally aside from that. How many know I, I'm, I'm involved in a government that has no end? I, I vote for every year. I, I vote for the Lamb. I, I vote. I'm a part of a kingdom that just isn't of this world. Amen. And how about it? Knows Christians. We we just don't think the same 
now that we're saved and born again. How many believe that? And so I want to just say that today, that we, we are for righteousness and justice. Amen? We are for righteousness and justice. And you've got to put away your, your, your own personal tastes and opinions and objectives, and you've got to say, come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ and say, I'm for righteousness and I'm for justice. Amen. And so that's why we celebrate it today. We're not celebrating it because you're going to get like, you know, this political sticker here at the end of church. Amen. We celebrate it because we are the people of God and we have the nature of God in us. And the nature of God is to celebrate life. Amen. In fact, Christians know all about life because we knew about death and we've been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life and light. And we understand life, don't we? Amen. That's why we're all about family. That's why we're all about feeding the poor, taking care of people that need Jesus. That's what we're all about. Amen. So I celebrate that today. I openly celebrate that today. And I'm not ashamed to celebrate life. Amen. Amen. So I wanted to say that today that really, see, because my rights don't come down to the oppression or the annihilation of another human being. That's not, my rights have nothing to do with that. Amen? That's not where my freedom comes from. My freedom comes from Jesus Christ. Amen? My freedom isn't in the choices that I want, my own pleasure, my own selfish ambition, and my own desires. Come on, my own perception and my own, uh, my own uh, the way I want things. It's on, based on the Word of God. And so I'm excited today that we have that free choice in the Lord to celebrate life and to choose life today. And thank God that we, I can look out and I can confidently say that there are many, many people here that have chosen life, that choose life on a daily basis. And so pray for, as as Micah said, you know, we do need to pray for our nation, pray for, um, you know, everyone in our nation. And as Paul talked about what Jesus instructed us to do, to believe God. But I mean, how many know we're not of this world? Amen. And we, we, we got something better going on than the world system. That is the gospel. Amen. And uh, so this morning, you may be, uh, you know, kind of confused about what we're celebrating this morning, but it strictly is life and life more abundantly. That's what Jesus came to do. Amen. I want to just kind of read a scripture this morning and kind of go into something. I I just um, don't know how long this will be as far as not today, but as far as the series, I doubt it'll be that. But just a few thoughts about something that's very relevant today. It's good to see a lot of friends and family here. Um, that are visiting with us. We're so excited that you're here with us, and uh, we just want to get into the Word. We, one of our core values, you'll read as you go out the door, you'll see on the, on the wall there, one of our core values is we value and trust the Word of God. Amen. How many value the Word of God? How many believe that it is the final Word of God? It is the only Word from God. It is authoritative, and it is powerful, and it's all-powerful, and it is all-authority. And so we believe in the Scriptures. Amen. We believe in the Bible, and so we preach the Bible, we teach the Bible, and um, that's really kind of what we want to be led by is the principles that are in the Bible. And so that's why we, we t- uh, do a lot of Scriptures, and today I'm going to give some Scriptures. And so you may not be used to that. You might go to a church that just uh, somebody kind of makes reference to scriptures and then they give you know 30 minutes of their own thoughts but I really want to be um, led by the word today and, and really get into it because how many know the word is spirit and the word is life amen it helps us grow in our faith amen in Matthew chapter 24 I'm going to read this text and if you're taking notes I'll give you the title for those that are going to be recording and post-editing tomorrow Matthew chapter 24 I'm going to read a few verses there starting in verse 4 of Matthew 24 Jesus is speaking and Jesus said Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many people. And you will hear of wars and rumor of wars. 
Um, see that you aren't troubled by that or that you aren't um, shaken by that. For all these things must come to pass. Notice he said must come to pass, but the end is not yet. In verse 9 he says this, Jesus is still talking and he says, then talking about kind of the, when we say the end times, the latter times or the days that will come, then shall they deliver you up and be afflicted and they will kill you, isn't that great? And shall be hated of all nations for a namesake, and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another, and many false prophets will rise and will deceive many people, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. In verse 23, he goes on to say, then if any man shall say unto you, there is Christ here, he's over there, don't believe him. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that even if it possible, the, deceive the very elect or God's people. And then in verse 25, behold, I have told you what was going to happen before. Amen. I'm going to talk to you today about Christian fiction. I think that one of the top things, and, and I look at the Bible, is that one of the, the, the messages that I see in the New Testament that's very relevant for today, that's talked about over and over again, is don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Don't be misled. Don't be tricked. Don't be fooled. How many know there's no such thing as a counterfeit $3 bill? Why? Because there's no such thing as a $3 bill. I mean, no, there's no, you know, say, I got a counterfeit $3 bill. Well, there's no such thing as a $3 bill. But how many know you can only counterfeit what is real? <laughs> is that right? Amen. And so a lot of people have this, and Jesus warned us about this. And, and I'm not going to talk about the, 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 the timeline and the end days and all that. I want to bring out to you about how Jesus talks about it. Paul repeated it, and Peter preached about it, is that we are not to be fooled. We are to be smart. In this last days, we are to live in a way that we are smart. Jesus said, be harmless as dove, be wise as serpents. That we need to have this mentality of, of being smart and not fooled or not tricked how many believe that how many can say Jesus said don't be fooled don't live under an illusion don't come to the place where you're you know under deception or whatever you know we have a natural tendency in all of us there's a natural tendency to live by myths and we follow legends and we like to talk about these really these mysteries that we talk about and these unknown things these illusions and these popular trends how many believe that we like to do that oh yeah some of you used to be in to you know back in the day your grandparents really were convinced that lead paint was the way to go Oh yeah, yeah, and then when we, when we discovered, you know, the, the, you know, really poor and bad things, you know, and, and all these things, I mean, we, we really thought there were, the, you know, Diet Cola was the thing to do. You can drink one or a case a day, and they were like, it's good for you. I know, we're like, we're really thinking that one out, you know, and we're kind of like, well, that wasn't really great. How many have ever followed those trends about exercise and diet, and then a few years later, it's like, this will kill you, stop doing it, Right? We love to follow trends. We love to follow these things. We love to follow myths. It's just in our nature. We have this nature, uh, a natural tendency to do that. And just because something is popular doesn't mean it's right. And how many know everything that's right isn't always popular? Amen? So Christians are caught in this thing. Well, what should I do? Well, we should live by what's established. We should live by the truth. We should live by what God already said for us. How many know God's already made a way for us? We don't have to create truth. Jesus is the truth. He's already established the truth. Even before time began, the Bible says there was truth there. How <laughs> I many believe that with all your heart? Amen. And so we, we don't have to be fooled. In fact, the Holy Spirit has really been given to us so that we can live smart. Amen. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit 
causes you not to be dumb anymore. Amen. Stupid. We just kind of followed the crowd, didn't we, before? We thought we were smart. We weren't. Every choice we made before we knew Jesus led us to the same place. Amen. Hopelessness. But when we met Jesus, we realized, I can make smart decisions. I can make smart choices. Why? The Holy Spirit is in us to help us be smart and not be fooled. Amen. That's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in the last days, the Bible says. He'll lead you into all truth so you're not fooled. Amen. The Scriptures go on to tell us that we're to not deviate from the truth. We're not to stray from the truth. We're not to be so easily removed from the truth. Paul uses language like, don't be tossed to and fro like children following these truths. And you know how many know children are very vulnerable and easily fooled? Is that right? That's why when magic tricks always work great on children, no matter what it is. Pretend to take a quarter from their ear and disappear all day. Right? Because they're fooled. They're easily. He said, don't be like that as Christians. How many know you can be fooled as a Christian? You can follow people that really don't know what they're talking about, but they sound really, really good. Amen? Is that right? And so the Bible says don't be deceived. Don't live under a delusion. Don't follow uh, mystical teachings. Paul even asked the, Gen- uh, the Galatians at one point, uh, he said, look, we brought you the truth. You were doing great. And he asked him this question, who in the world bewitched you? You were doing great. And then all of a sudden, you're so off course, you're following people that don't even love the truth, you forgot what the truth is all about. Paul said in Romans that there will be a time when people, amen, that don't love the truth, they'll turn the truth of God into a lie. They'd rather worship creation than the creator. Come on. They want to deviate from the truth. They want to, they, they want to live in this uh, realm of, of deception and delusion. He said, don't follow those type of people. Don't listen to that. Don't. Be fooled. Jesus taught us that there will be a rejection of the light. There will be rejection of the truth. There will be rejection of the Messiah and even creation itself. Come on. Is that right? There's going to be a distortion of the truth. There's going to be another gospel, Paul said. There's going to be lying signs and wonders. People who know the name of Christ but don't have the spirit of Christ. Paul said, look, they came out of us but they're not of us. Don't listen to those kind of people. Wow, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? I'm not going to say anybody's name. Many of you go waiting for me. Oh, he's going to say a ministry's name. I'm not doing that today. Amen. That's not what I'm about. But the devil, the Bible says, is the father of lies. He is a liar. The Bible says from the very beginning, he's the lie. I mean, he didn't just pick this up in the the late 1800s. I mean, the devil's always been lying. From the very beginning, the Bible says, and he deceives. When Paul used that word, don't, you know, who hath bewitched you, comes from the word witch or witching or witchcraft. Witchcraft is not about power. Witchcraft is all about deception. Come on, people that are involved in the, in the cult and witchcraft, they are so deceived thinking that the power belongs to them, they are now under another influence. The power isn't theirs, it's, it's another spirit that's operating through them. Come on, it's all about deception, it's all about illusions, it's all about uh, these mysteries and things. Think about it. Witchcraft and, and all that and anything that has to do with the satanic movement or the devil, whatever has to do with being deceived. See, that means that he works by the same principles of an illusionist. He has to give you misdirection. He has to distract you. He has to divert your attention on something else for you to go in a different direction. How many know what I'm talking about? How many, when you're a kid or even now, you love magic? I mean, there's a... And and you know the whole time you're watching someone do this illusion trick or whatever, it's like, that just blew my mind, but I know it's not real. But I can't... It's awesome, Right? We're onto this, delu- this illusion. It's like, this is amazing. There's even a school for magic. So you know people learn this stuff. 
But yet it's messing with your mind, right? That's what illusion's all about. And so the Bible says, be careful. Don't be fooled. The Bible also teaches us that what are the deceptions about? What are the greatest deceptions will be? Will they be about money? Will it be about fame? What will it be about? Well, the Bible makes it clear, and I'm not going to go into these, but it talks about three things that the greatest deception will happen or delusion will happen to the people of God. Number one, the Word of God. I know the devil knows how to use the Word of God against the people of God. Yes, he does. The Word of God. Think about it. This is what it's going to be about. Why? Because he talks about there's a false gospel, there's another gospel, the false teachers, teachings. Come on. Is that right? People that are absolutely using the Scriptures, but they're using it in a wrong way. That's what the Pharisees were doing. Prophecy is another one. Jesus said the greatest deception will be through prophecy or false prophets. He calls them wolves in sheep clothing. He says about dreams and visions and signs and wonders will accompany these prophets. Think about it. So the word of God, prophecy, and then personalities. People that are rich and famous and powerful and have influence and technology. All these things will accompany this deception. Is that right? Come on, is that right? Amen. Come on, some of you that are schooled in the book of Revelation, right? Yeah, it's through technology. Yeah, well, you know, I'm. come on, we're on the same page here. I mean, it's going to be personality. The Bible says that, man, we're going to be fooled. The nations are going to be fooled by great personalities. Wow, think about it. But Jesus made it clear, and I like this principle. When Jesus was teaching about this, and Paul taught about it, I love this when I read the scriptures about this. It really gives me kind of a comfort in knowing, man, I, I can be smart. But Jesus said this, that the level of deception will be as equal to the level of ignorance. So the level of deception in our world. How many believe there's a lot of deception in our world? Well, cheer up. Jesus said it's going to get worse. But he said that the level of deception comes the level of ignorance. That's why we got to be smart. That's why he said don't be fooled in this last hour. Be smart. Understand what the devil's doing. Understand what your enemy's doing. you got to be smart. Put on the whole armor of God. Is that what he says? The helmet of salvation. Why? you got to know what you're doing you got to know what you're talking about. How many know you got to go preach the gospel, but you got to know the gospel you're preaching? <laughs> Amen? Is that right? So the Bible makes it clear that, look, there's not just a level of deception in the earth. There's a level of stupidity in the earth. So people that are ignorant are easily fooled. He said, don't be ignorant. In, in, in Corinthians, Paul said, don't be ignorant. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Amen? comes from a word means blockhead. Don't be thick-headed. Understand what the will of the Lord is. In this last day especially. That's why Jesus said, I'm warning you. It's going to happen. And when it happens, don't be surprised. Is that what he said? And so many of you are so jacked up. You're, you're fear. You're, you're afraid. I mean, you're in fear. And you're just, you're controlled by fear. And you've got to come. This is what Jesus said. Don't be surprised. This is what's going to happen. Some of you are surprised when your favorite Hollywood couple breaks up. And you're like, what happened? Well, they're a Hollywood couple. The average marriage is three years. Don't be shocked. <laughs> I thought they were going to be together forever. <laughs> right? Come on. Somebody powerful deceives all these people. And they run up. Come on. I mean, don't be surprised. Don't be fooled. Don't be surprised. I want to tell you three stories today about this. I'm going to tell you a horse in shorts. The War of the Worlds, and emails from Madeline. <laughs> Three stories that have to do with this. Don't be fooled. <clears throat> so back in 1959, this is a true story. Back in 1959, there's a guy by the name of G. Clifford Prout Jr. He appeared on NBA, or NBC's 
Today Show. And he was promoting an interesting cause. He had an interesting cause. And would actually have a lot of people fighting over the rights of animals, but not in a good way, in a strange way. He actually started talking about that the reason that there was moral, moral failure back in the late 50s, they had a lot of the discussions about there's a lot of moral failure. Where's it coming from? What's happening? You know, come on, they were having conversations like that. Well, this guy gets on the Today Show and he starts talking about that really one of the reasons for a moral disaster and the root of social moral decline was animal nudity. True story. Look it up. He claimed to start the organization, the Society of Indecency for Naked Animals. True, true story. He claimed that he was a horse-dressing ancestor. He had this from way back. His family was into this. And he said he really felt strong about this. And so he began. So he appeared on numerous TV shows, including the Today Show and some other ones. And, uh, you know, and all these things. And it became a big thing. I mean, he began to talk about animal nudity. And he brought an animal on stage and he would clothe it. You know, he put something on and he would dress it to demonstrate how you did it, right? So they would put, uh, you know, uh, Bermuda, Bermuda shorts on horses, slips for cows, pants for kangaroos they made these things they even put an article in newspapers about how to cut and make the fabric and then dress your pet and and oh, see these are the real things and he came up he coined the phrase a nude horse is a rude horse right so he started saying that any animal over four inches tall or six inches long needs to wear a jumpsuit dogs need to wear dresses and cows need to wear moo-moos <laughs> serious and so they argued that children were at stake because how could children understand why mom and dad wore pants, but the dog didn't? This is creating this moral breakdown in children and in our society, the nudity of animals. Think about it. And so they began to gain national attention. They began to say that zoos were called peep shows for kids. And their motto was this, indecency today means morality tomorrow. Right? I'm serious. And so, I mean, this just really took over. And so within a year or so, they had 50,000 members. They were bringing, bragging about bringing in 400 at, uh, each week. And people were putting together uh, floats, right, as parades, and, and stocked with animals with clothes on so, th so they could show you what a proper barnyard should look like. They were having these, these parades. And in California, one guy in a plane was airdropping clothes over farms because he wanted all farmers to clothe their naked animals. In fact, the society marched on Washington, um, and when, when JFK was president, they, they demanded that they went into the White House so they could, uh, and they made a dress for JFK's horse, Macaroni. And they demanded that this had to go all the way to the top, like the president was, you know, uh, you know really endorsing animal nudity. Think about it. I mean, I mean, just crazy. Isn't that crazy? In fact, they were actually uh, given summons that you would give to your neighbors, a summons and, a, and this warning to put pet, uh, clothes on your pets. If you saw anybody walking their dog without a dress or anything on, you give them a summons and you give them this notification. Hey, you got to dress your, it's indecent what you're doing. This, this actually happened. Check this out. In August of 1962, this guy, this leader went on, Clifford, G. Clifford Prout went on the um, famous show at the time, CBS News, with Walter Cronkite. And in 1962, he's doing this interview with Walter Cronkite, and so as he's, the segment's airing and it's going on, there was CBS employees who recognized him as a CBS employee and a, and a comedian. His name was not G. Clifford Prout. His name was Buck Henry. He was a comedian and a CBS employee. Think about it. So here's the gig. In 1959, him and another fellow comedian sat around the table and came up with this idea, and they wanted to see how far this would go. 
and they literally made the whole thing up. And it was only people that recognized him blew his cover. And Time Magazine called him a fake. And, and all these people, listen, that, this guy went on to write for like Get Smart. And he appeared on you know, Saturday Night Live. He was a com- comedian writing. And he just did it to see who would follow the Society of Indecency for Naked Animals. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Some of you would be like, I really liked that at first. And I was going to vote for that. <laughs> Dear Lord, if you start that, I'll laugh so hard. Anyways, so in the, nine, in the late 1930s, right, the, the, one of the main, uh, you know, communication and media outlets was, was radio. I mean, there's tens of millions of people listening to the radio every single day in the late 1930s, and especially as things were developing in Europe. I mean, people were glued to their, their, their sets. But on October 30th of 1938, the Mercury Theater that was owned by CBS Radio hosted a 60-minute program, and it was right before Halloween, so they wanted to do this Halloween program called War of the Worlds. It was uh, really led by a young director, Orson Welles. He was just a young director at the time. And the, the whole, really the whole uh, episode was an adaptation of the H.G. Wells novel, War of the Worlds, written in the late 1800s about how the Martians came to England and took over the world. And the only thing that stopped them was the human germs and bacteria that was in the world. And that was the, it was just a crazy thing. Well, they decided, let's reenact that. Let's do it in such a way. So what they did is they had it in studio and they had actors uh, that would pretend that they actually were on site giving a live broadcast of Martians coming to America. How many ever heard the story, right? And there's been some movies made about it and everything. So as the dance and music was going on, the nightly program, they would interrupt it with these news flashes. Now, in the late 30s, people really believed the news flashes. They were taken serious and literal. So if you were listening to music and a news broadcast came on and said, we interrupt this program to give you this news bulletin, people were like, okay, i got to listen to that. I mean, think about it. It's like getting a text. It's like, i got to hear this right now. You know, it's just one of those things, breaking news. And so they took it serious. And so they would interrupt this music program for 60 minutes. They would interrupt it with these news flashes. Those Martians had landed in New Jersey, and they were coming to New York City, and they were going to take over the world. Think about it. So as the broadcast went on, it covered things like, well, um, the, well, the one guy, I believe his name was... Um, Carl Phillips, he was the reporter, who's really an actor. And so what he, he described as, uh, he said there was a huge flaming object that had dropped in, uh, you know, in a farm near uh, Grover's Mill in New Jersey. And so these actors started being these announcers and interviewing people. And, and then, you know, as it's happening, there's a great, like all these people, you know, he reported that all these people are coming to New Jersey and there's a great gathering and all these people were, you know, what was going on? And then all of a sudden, out of these pits of these meteorites had landed, all these Martians came they had tentacles, and then they started zapping people, uh, you know, with their heat rays, right? And he was, he was reporting it, and people were screaming and, and, and everything, and then they'd go back to the music and everything. And then a few minutes later, I'll give you a live broadcast. Now they're not just, there's more Martians that have come, and they're taking over the world, and they're, they have this poisonous gas that they're releasing into the air, and they're destroying bridges and towns. Now back to your program, Right? People are like freaking out. Like, this is crazy. And so, you know, a couple of the things that happened was that people didn't understand was, and they even said that there was military. The military got involved. Remember, if you watched the old movie or one of the movies of the world, the world, that's what happened. The military, they couldn't withhold them and they were shooting them. With, and then the guy was given a report of how they are swimming over the Hudson River and they're on their way to New York City with this poisonous gas. 
And people were like freaking out, right? Here's one of the things that happened during that time. Actually, during the broadcast in the West Coast, there's a little town, I believe it's called Concrete, Washington, in Washington. At the same time this was airing, right, this little town in Concrete, Washington, right about the time the Martians were heading to New York City, literally in a little town of a thousand people, they had a complete blackout. Like power went out. These people freaked out. They got in their cars. They drove to the nearest big city. They were like freaking out because they thought the aliens were invaded. I mean, invading. Think about it. The Martians were invading. I mean, it's crazy. Now, three times during the broadcast, they had mentioned this is a Halloween hoax. This is like a thing. But because people were only hearing bits and pieces, they didn't hear that part. And even at the end, Orson Welles broke character and said, hey, this was our Halloween thing. People still didn't hear that. They panicked. They went nuts. They, it was like crazy. Out of the 6 million people, it was estimated that 2 million people believed it was happening. And like 1 million people were, said they were absolutely afraid. Think about it. Martians landing and taking over the world. And people believe this. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but you'd probably be one of those people. Within a couple of months, there was like over 12,000 articles. You can re- look it up, read about it. And uh, how the, you know. Now, the other thing that really came out is, this was Orson Welles' claim to fame. I mean, this is how he got famous, right? And there's also a monument that they put in New Jersey. It's in a park in New Jersey. And it's the only national monument that didn't really, doesn't mean anything. Like, they have a Martian invasion monument dedicated in New Jersey. And it didn't even happen. And people go there every year and take their pictures. Wow, isn't that amazing? That's crazy. And so it really what it was is one reporter from the New York Times later said that it really just revealed... Um, this panic really created this textbook example of how mass hysteria and delusions of crowds really work. Wow, isn't it amazing? One last thing is in 1998-99 into the 2000s I started receiving emails from Madeline Murray O'Hare and, um, and that organization, the American Atheist Association, but it was through a Christian organization. I was, you know, I had this uh, newsletter from this Christian organization on, on our freedoms and, and, and American freedoms and everything. Well, they started reporting in 99, in 1999 and 2000, they started reporting and sending these emails out that, you know, uh, Madeline O'Hara, she was, uh, you know, basically shutting churches down, that thousands of churches were shutting down this year, and that she was taking away, our, and they were signing bills, and they passed the bills. I mean, I was getting these emails. They, were, they had already passed the bill. It was already a done deal. Remember earlier internet? You believed everything. Remember all that, right? Oh, my gosh. Everything's true, right? And I was telling pastors, and I was telling people, and I was like, this is terrible. We got to do something about this. And then finally I told a friend of mine, and, and they're like, you know, um, she's been dead for like five years. Like, what? Yeah. Well, it took me another ten years before I absolutely believed that she was dead. I saw a documentary on TV, a criminal documentary on TV that actually proved that it was her. She had died. Think about it. I don't know if you know her. She was actually, uh, in, you know, the head of the American Atheist Association. She's the one that in the early 60s was responsible for taking prayer out of school. She fought against In God We Trust on Our Coins. And she even tried to sue the Pope. This was a powerful woman, right? But she was dead. And I was reading emails from an organization getting all scared. Like, they're going to close our church next week. What are we going to do? Right? I think what I do is I should go to, you know, to uh, New Jersey and uh, take a picture by the statue before the world ends. But we were so into that. And the Bible says don't be fooled. Amen. The Bible says that we should come to the place where we're smarter than that. 
That we, I gave you these ridiculous, you know, the ones that I could grab a hold of real quick. Don't be fooled by that. In 1 Timothy and in 2 Timothy, when Paul was writing to Timothy in this great city of Ephesus, in chapter 1, of, in verse 3 and 4, he said, I urge you when I was in Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. He said, don't, and, he said, and he even goes on to say, you need to, you need to tell these people, you got to talk to these people. you got to talk to these Christians that are following myth, and you got to shut them down and say, look, you're leading the church astray. I mean, that's pretty serious, isn't it? That's how Paul, Paul didn't just laugh at these things. Paul took these things serious. There was people that were actually teaching, these, they were taking these teachings of people who didn't even believe in God, didn't even embrace the truth, and saying this was from God, and Paul said, you got to shut those people down. You're, and and you got a whole church, Timothy, where you got a whole town and a whole church full of people that they follow these people. Like, they're fooled by these people. You've got to do something. And in 2 Timothy, very familiar passage of Scripture, 3 and 4, chapter 4 of 3 and 4, he says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say that they're itching to say what their itching ears want to hear. Verse 4, they will turn their eyes away from the truth and turn aside to myths. They would rather believe something that is factual, or non-factual, that is unproven, that is, that is a, just kind of a whim of something, a whisper of something, a passed down legend of something, rather than the truth of God's word. In Titus, he goes on, and he talks to Titus. Paul addresses Titus, the same situation. And he talks to him. He said, look, you've been given this. You need to hold firmly to the trustworthy message of the gospel as it's been taught to you. He said, because you've got, you got to tell people who are, who are preaching different doctrines, you've got to refute, refute these things. You've got to oppose these people. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? For then, in verse 10, there are many rebellious people. Full of meaningless talk and deception, especially those of the circumcision group, they must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. And so, in other words, they were teaching Jewish myths and human commands who rejected the truth. I mean, these people didn't even believe in the truth, and they were listening to these people. And I'm telling you right now, if ever we need to hear something that, like this, not that I'm such a great, or, but we need to hear this today. Don't be fooled. Don't get uh, you know, scared by people that don't know what they're talking about. Don't be fooled by this. Some, some of you are so, I'll never forget this guy wanted to engage in end times conversation. And I'm like, dude, I'm just not into that right now. Because that's not what, it's important right now. Amen. And this guy was weird. And I was like, I really, you're making me very uncomfortable right now. First of all, you're a close talker. Second of all, you're talking about weird stuff. And we're alone. And I'm really uncomfortable right now. Right? Come on. The word myths in the King James translates it into fables. Myths. These unknown, non-factual things. These, these teachings. These false instructions. Well, you should do this because if you do this, then you'll have that. Well, that's not in the Bible. And that's what Paul had to address. And so sometimes, I think, as the church, we can look back and say, you know, we've actually come under this. We've actually believed some of this. We've actually had this teaching, some of these teachings in the church. How many have ever thought of that? You're like, man, when I first got saved, man, I was going with this group, and we had white robes, and we did this, and that was a little strange. How many know God brought you back to gravity? God, he brought you back to sincerity and truth, and he brought you to a place where, man, this is real. I can get a hold of this. 
Amen? And so just to finish up is that one of the things that one will always be in question. What is the thing that Jesus said will be in question? What is the thing that will always be in question? And that is the truth. The truth will always be in question. Amen? There, why, the Bible says we fight the good fight of faith. We fight for the truth. We fight not according to flesh and blood, not with flesh and blood, not according to the flesh, but according to the things of the Lord. Come on, according to the spiritual darkness, the Bible says. It's always about the truth. When they question Jesus, what right do you have to say these things? They questioned his authority on the truth. They didn't question his anointing. They didn't question his miraculous power. They questioned his authority on the scriptures. The truth. They had to talk about the truth. When they faced Jesus, they wanted to talk to him about marriage. They wanted to find out what was the truth. What do you believe? They wanted to talk to him about this and about that. And Jesus always brought him back to the established truth. Always. Right? Matthew chapter 7, it says that the broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many people are going that way. And narrow is the way that leads to life. If you study those two words, it means uh, the word broad means to fabricate. It's talking about truth. Matthew chapter 7 isn't necessarily talking about you living a disciplined life. He's talking about truth. He's talking about there's people that are following a fabricated truth. A lot of people are following that way. And then there's the narrow way. There's the narrow, what does that mean? That means the established truth. The truth that's already written. Come on. The truth that's already been spoken by God Almighty. The truth that you don't have to try to create and make up. You just need to walk in it by the Spirit of God. He will lead you into a truth that's already been established before the world's began. Do you believe that with all your heart? I believe that. God's going to lead you into that truth. You don't have to make it up. Come on. Jesus didn't make up truth. He just declared it. Amen. So I want to encourage you today. Um, a few months ago, I want to make a distinction before I move on. I want to make a distinction about something I said a few months ago, several months ago. And I was talking about the truth. I was talking about righteousness and justice, and I talked about the truth. And one of the things I said is I talked about deconstruction. And this is a buzzword right now that's happening in, you know, among you know, Christianity and, and Christendom. And so one of the things I wanted to say, is I said back then, is that you, you know, really, you can deconstruct the truth all you want. You can break it down all you want, but it's going to remain the same. You're not going to destroy it because the truth never is destroyed. Is that correct, right? So you can break it down and turn it inside out you want to. It'll always remain the truth. Is that correct? Amen. But I want to say that there is a danger in listening to people that are telling you to constantly deconstruct your faith. Beware of people and teachers that keep getting you to a place of uncertainty about the scriptures. Amen. When you come away from their teaching, when you come away from them, you feel hopeless. That's not a good teaching. That's, that's not good. So I want to warn you to do that. There's a deconstruction that's, that they're encouraging Christians to do that, well, let's just question the authority of God's word here. Let's just put it in today's realm and not look at it as established truth. Let's look at it as your own truth. Let's look at it as an interpretive truth or a relative truth, a truth that you can define by yourself according to how you see God and how you feel about God. How many know that's not truth? Amen. Truth cannot be changed by us. And so I want to make that statement and make it very clear that, yes, I believe that there's a time where you have to say, do I believe in the word? Do I believe this? How many have ever come to that place? You've come to the place in your life. Do I really believe what I say I believe? How many have ever had to come to that place? You had to really come to a place in your life. It's like, is this what I really? And God puts you to the test. 
I mean, no, God will test you. Oh, yeah, that's great, Peter. You said that I am the Christ, but I really want to test you to see, do you really believe I'm the Christ? So I believe that. I know that there's a testing, but there's not this deconstruction where it leaves you constantly unsteady about the Word of God. Un, un, you know, come on, on shaky ground about who God is and is He really a God? Is He really, I mean, is it really, come on. Amen? Amen, I want to encourage you. And so we, we've got to get away from that. And, and in our culture today, and I'm going to move on, there's what they call the sin of certainty. It is in certain circles and there's this, there's this, uh, it's maybe not said, but it's, it's, it's preached, the sin of uncertainty. What does that mean? That if you're looking for truth and you land on truth, it's almost a sin. That's called the sin of, of certainty. So in other words, it really, it's really not truth. We're always discovering it. So it's kind of like one of those things where it's really not knowable truth. How many know the truth of God's word is knowable? You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus said, you will know the truth. You won't be confused by the truth. You will know the truth. Come on, somebody. Amen. And we can't, we're not going to be fooled by God's word. God will never lead us astray. God will never deceive us. He'll never lead us off course. He'll never put you in a place where he tricked you into believing in him. Come on, somebody. Amen. I mean, he's going to put it out there flat and plain that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life, and whosoever will come to him can believe and receive and be saved. Come on, somebody. Amen. I believe that. And so I, I, what are some things, as I close, what are some things that keep this myth alive? What are the things that keep myths alive? Well, I believe a few things in the church today that I see that we need to be careful of as the people of God that Jesus warned us about and Paul warned us about, and that is... Things that keep myths and, and un, things that really don't need to be built on alive is saying words and phrases that don't even make sense. Okay? Uh, let me just give you an example. I heard a preacher one time. I thought it was really good until he got to this point. He said, there's a release of the atmosphere, the fragrance of the bridegroom and the wedding day. And everybody cheered. And I'm like, huh? Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? And sometimes in Christian circles, we just say things. We're like, yeah, yeah, that's Christian. That sounds really good. It's crazy. Like, what you just said doesn't even make sense. How many have ever heard people like that? Like, maybe I'm missing something? Like the truth? <laughs> or God's word? Okay. Amen. But mixing other religious forms and practices to add spirituality to your life. I mean, you know, you know, there's many religions that believe that if you just do this, do this, knowledge adds spirituality, this adds spirituality, works adds spirituality, but we need to be careful that we're not mixing other religious forms and practices and ungodly practices to add to our spirituality, amen. There's a lot of good things in the world, but we need to be careful, don't be fooled by those things, amen. And spreading in misinformation about biblical truth, spreading misinformation about the church, spreading misinformation about Christians and people and ministries and, and biblical truths. Come on, we need to be careful that we're not spreading misinformation. Just because you heard something, somebody say something doesn't mean it's true. I'm going to encourage everybody today, if you hear anything, you need to research it. I mean, God's not afraid of you researching the, the Bible. I mean, that's why it's there. Research it. Find out if it's true. See if these things be true. I mean, if I'm, what I'm saying is true, you'll find it in the Word. Amen? How many know we need to do that? And so I want to encourage you to, and not to rely on emotional and man-made experiences to relate truth or to receive truth. Many people feel like if we could just create a, a worship experience, this emotional experience, somehow truth will 
just come alive in your heart. Well, that's very Hinduism. That's very Hinduist. That's very um, Middle Eastern. That's, that's not Scripture. Come on, somebody. So we need to be careful of those things. And, uh, you know, I believe that there's, uh, there's, a, there's a warning in that Paul gives especially that we need, need to be a gospel-centered church and not a gifted-centered church. Hello. I know, I'm trying to be careful there, but we, we, because if not, we'll get, well, as, as Jesus said, you're just looking for a sign. You're just following after a sign. You, you, just want, you just want a miracle. That's all you want. Amen? Come on. How many know we're following the way, the truth, and the life? Amen. And miracles will happen. Come on. Lunches will be provided. Amen. Things will happen. Amen. If we follow after God. Amen. We don't follow after gifts. We follow after God, the giver. Amen. We don't follow, chase after some anointing. We chase after the anointer. <laughs> Amen. That's what's important. Amen. And so we're a gospel-centered church. and We're gospel-centered people and not all this mysticism and spiritualism. And it's good to a point. And it's great as Paul taught, but it has to be put in its place. How many believe that? Amen. How many believe that today? How many want to just say, Lord, I want to be smart. I don't want to be fooled. Amen. I want to give you a few things as you stand on your feet how to be smart today. Amen. Well, I guess I could have talked more about historical myths. Maybe next week. A bunch of people are going to go out and watch War of the Worlds today. This actually happened. (laughs) Amen. How can I be smart? Let me just give you a few things. And we'll continue this some other time. How can I be smart? I, fer- I feel first of all is you got to know the truth. Yes. Know the truth. But how many know where truth starts? Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I'm the life. So truth starts with Jesus. And then truth is the word that God has given us. So you got to know the truth. you got to know the truth. Is that right? I'm not talking about you got to be the smartest person in the room. I'm just saying you got to know the truth. Amen discern falsehood the spirit of god has been given us to us to judge things and to discern things and so when you don't feel certain's right and it's not clicking and it's not adding up amen you got to dis- discern those things that the bible teaches us to judge righteously and and to judge according to the spirit the bible says stand on the facts of god's word this is how you're going to be smart stand on the facts of god's word how many know god's word is not just we receive it by faith but we receive it because it's fact couple people that's great it's fact that's why we receive the word of God stand on the facts of God's word believe it by faith trust in the Lord with all your heart there's a time when you can look up scripture and try to prove well creation really did happen I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna prove it to you there's a time to do that and there's a time you just got to say I just believe I just believe it by faith I can't I that's all I got to tell you well you got to prove it I just believe it I just believe it. I just believe that Jesus is the son of the living God and he came and died on a cross for me 2,000 years ago and by his blood that was shed, I am healed, I am cleansed, I am saved and I'm going to heaven and I'm going to spend the rest of my days for the next gazillion years in heaven worshiping God Almighty. Amen. How do you know? I just believe it. That's, I just believe it. And so you got to come and believe by faith. And you got to stay on course. Don't let people get you off course. Don't let people get you... So don't, don't, the Bible says don't be so easily removed. Amen. How many know people that are not living a balanced life are easily removed? You're easily knocked off balance. You're easily knocked off. But stay grounded in the Word. Stay rooted in God. Put your feet on the solid Word, on the rock of God's Word. Stay on course. Finally, live in the, word, in the now. 
live in the now. I mean, yeah, you can get tangled up and, and try to figure out, okay, when's, you know, the date Jesus is coming back and, and what about this and what about that prophecy and, you know, next thing you know, you're chasing rainbows and you're, stay in the now. Live in the now. Jesus said tomorrow has enough issues. Don't worry about tomorrow. There's going to be enough issues today. Today. Live in the now. Amen. Not just for now, but live in, in the now. Stay in a, don't live in a distorted reality of truth. Don't live in a fake Christian bubble. Don't live in some bubble or some fantasy world. Live in the now. Amen. How many know God gives you grace and power to live in the now? Amen. He li- live in the now. And then be gospel-centered as we talked about. Build on what is biblical and factual, established. Put your faith in God. I mean, God has understanding. He has knowledge. He has wisdom through His Word for us by the Holy Spirit. It's all right there. How many know if someone says, I really want to know the deep things of God? How many know you're going to find deep things of God? And it'll blow you away. Amen? But stay on course in your search for the deep things of God. Stay grounded in your search for the deep things of God. Stay there. Don't get fooled. Don't just listen to everything. Don't just believe everything. Come on. Don't just see what you see on television, what you hear from other people. Don't just believe everything. Get back in the Word and say, Lord, I'm following the one that doesn't move. I'm following the truth that it doesn't change. I'm on, built on the rock Christ Jesus. And as, as my grandfather used to say, amen, that the worlds can be on fire, but I'm still going to stand on the word of God. Amen. We, the, everything around you can fall and crumble and everybody can be confused and going in a different direction, but we stand on the word of God because we're, we're smart. We're not going to be fooled. And today's, come on, today's age, I believe people need to follow a, another group of people that are going the right direction. Amen. How many believe that? Come on, let's put our hands up today. Lord, I pray for wisdom. I pray for understanding. As Paul prayed for the church in Galatia and Ephesus, and and, and I pray for the understanding. Amen. That revelates the enlightening of the Spirit of God. Amen. From you, Lord, the knowledge of your word to come alive. Lord, we live in such an age of deception, such a time and a, and a, a, a day where we don't know who to trust anymore. We don't know what's real anymore, but thank God. You have given us the reality of your word. We can trust your word. We can follow the Holy Spirit and not be led astray. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you give me ears to hear your spirit. Not every other voice, not every other spirit, not all these other philosophies. Your word, your spirit. I want ears to hear your voice. You said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Lord, I thank you that I want to hear your voice today. Lord, help me in some of my situations that I'm going through. I want to I find the right way, the truth path, that solid path, the way that I should go, the established way. Today, Lord, I want to be the one that helps my neighbors and the lost, my friends, my family who are lost, completely confused. I want to lead them to a place of solidarity, Lord, of, of a solid relationship with Jesus, of, of just that grounded word of God. Lord, I pray that you would help me and use me to help other people around me not to be fooled but to be smart. And I just thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. If you need prayer today, we just love to pray for people and any need. We just have such a great team.